Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living. Amen. 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 Oh, I'm so glad you're with us this morning. What a joy to be able to open the Word of God today and, and uh, to be able to join with a few folks who were gathering in our parking lot. In fact, I'm saying that right now, and they're going to hear it. And so uh, thanks for coming. You encouraged me again this morning, and, and uh, they're, ex- they're exhibiting their social distancing, right? But they are uh, fellowshipping and listening to the message and just kind of being in the same general vicinity as we worship this morning, and we're glad you've joined us as well. If you have your Bible, with you, would you take them, turn to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 4, chapter 4, we're going to go to work this morning and we're going to talk about as we conclude a series called Chosen, we're going to talk about how we've been chosen for so much more. I've really enjoyed this series. We've talked about God's divine encounters. We've talked about how he surprises us, how we can respond to him. We've talked about how to feel empty or, or to feel full and empty times of our life. But uh, this morning, we're going to kind of conclude this whole study, and uh, we're, going to, um, we're going to begin in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 4. Um, I, uh, one of my favorite stories that over and over again over the years that I've just enjoyed is the story of a, of a husband and wife that had been married uh, 65 years. They were in their 80s. They've been married 65 years. They, um, they didn't have a, they, they weren't what, what you call wealthy, but they were very comfortable. And they were actually in very good uh, health because, uh, mostly because the wife just absolutely uh, made sure that they ate healthy and that they exercised all the time. And uh, so the family decided they're going to send them on a rare vacation and uh, uh, sent them on this trip. And wouldn't you know it, they're in this plane. The plane has a, a mechanical problem, goes down, crashes, and they both die. It's a horrible story. And they end up at the pearly gates, getting ready to go into heaven, and Peter meets them there, and he says, hey, come on in, we're going to show you around, there's a tour that's going to begin, I want to I show you about your eternal reward. And so Peter takes the couple and goes into this house, and it is incredible. It's immaculate, it's beautiful, it's, uh, they've, got, uh, they've got the cabinets all stocked with food, and there's fine silk and gold or the furnishings, it's an incredible thing. They go into the bathroom, there's a waterfall, not a picture, there's a waterfall in the bathroom. And the guy who looks over at Peter says, man, this is incredible, how much is this going to cost us? He says, no, you don't understand, this is heaven, this is a reward, it's free, it's cared for. The guy looks out the window, and he sees out in the window that there's this incredible championship golf course that's out there. It's nicer than anything he's ever seen in the world. And he looks at the guy, and he goes, man, how much does that cost? And Peter says, you don't understand. This is heaven. It's free. He said, you can go every day if you want. There are no greens fees because it's heaven. He took him over to the club. And in the club, there's this incredible buffet it's incredible. It's got seafood. It's got, it's got steak. It's got everything you'd ever want. Every decadent food full of fat and full of calories. And uh, the guy looks at him and Peter says, hey, before you even ask, it's free. It's cared for. It's part of your reward. The guy looks at him. He says, yeah, but where's the, where's the low fat side? Where, where are all the good grains? Where's, where's all the whole wheat? Where's all that stuff? Peter says, well, there isn't any of that in heaven. We, we go for full flavor, but here you got to understand in heaven, there are no calories. There are no consequences to this stuff. I mean, you can go to the gym if you want to, but only because you want to, because you, you never get fat here in heaven. 
The guy looks over at his wife and he says, you and your stupid brand muffins. We could have been here years ago. Heaven is an incredible place. And as we've been talking about, something hit me about two, three weeks ago is that uh, we've talked about what it means to be rescued and forgiven. And, but I want you to understand that today we've been chosen for so much more than just this. I know that, um, that it's important to us that, that our homes are cared for, that our families are cared for. I realize that our physical bodies we need to take care of. Tammy's had me out walking. We've been doing our best to, to hit two to three miles a day, and we're just trying to be out there. And, but understand that we have been chosen for so much more than what you or I can even hardly imagine. In fact, in 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter says, hey, I want you to know you've been called to his eternal glory. In uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul says, you have been chosen for glory with the Lord. And in our passage today, we're going to see that we have this promise that is so much bigger than just what you see today. You've been chosen for so much more. 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul has been going through some challenges. In fact, he goes through a, a famous passage where he says that we've been pressed, we've been crushed, but we're not let down. He says we've been struck down, but we don't stay down. He's trying to encourage people, and he says these words in chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore we speak because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. Now that's a mouthful, but it's packed with truths. All of this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. There's that phrase, an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is is eternal. Now I'm going to go into chapter 5 because I want you to see he keeps this theme going. Now we know that if the earthly tent that we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God. And I want to define what he's talking about. He's not talking about a building particularly or a house that is constructed. He's talking about your personhood, your body. We know that if this earthly tent is destroyed, that we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and we're burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but rather to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now it is God who made us for this very purpose. And he's given us the spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, 
We are always confident, and we know that as long as we are home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, and I say we would prefer to be away from the body and to be at home with the Lord, so we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away for it, because we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Now, I know that's a, a fairly large passage of Scripture, but what I wanted to do, because it does such a great job, is I want to describe for you that when people talk about glory, when they talk about going to glory, when Christ promises us eternal glory, when Peter says you've been called to his eternal glory, what is he talking about? Well, number one, he is talking about a personal Savior. Glory is a personal Savior, meaning that heaven means that Christ is going to be there. If you look in chapter 4, verse 13 and 14, he says that we are raised with Jesus. In chapter 5, verse 6 and 8, he says that we are going to be with the Lord. And John MacArthur, I love what he said about this. He says, what makes heaven heaven is that Jesus is going to be there. Understand, we're not going to be part of some collective consciousness. We're not going to be part of just some random existence. But there's a personhood in, in heaven. And one of the aspects of the personhood is that we're going to be able to come before Jesus Christ who has loved us. Now, I love how Scripture defines and describes what this Savior is like. Because many of us, when we think of Jesus... We think of the suffering servant, but understand that when we get into heaven, he is the reigning authoritative king of kings and lord of lords. Revelation chapter 19 says that written on his thigh, I love this, I like to, almost like there's a big tattoo on his thigh as he's riding the white horse. Chapter 19 of Revelation says that it's written, he, the king of kings and lord of lords, I want you to just know I am who I am and I am no longer the suffering servant. I am the reigning king, the rightful heir to the throne as God has given to me. But he'll also still be our shepherd. That's incredible to me. When you get into Revelation chapter 7, it says that he himself will be their shepherd. That he'll wipe away every tear. And so isn't it just like the Lord that even in his glorious authority, he will also be the gentle shepherd who loves us and cares for us and welcomes us and comforts us. But I want you to understand in heaven he'll be worshipped. And the majority of revelations is about giving him glory and honor. That's why I was so touched this morning as we were singing an, old, an older song, Shout to the Lord. As we were singing about Jesus, a beautiful name. Those are those are illustrations of what heaven's going to be like. Because in heaven it says in Revelation chapter 5, as they encircled the Lamb, it says they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased men from, for God. From every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them a kingdom and priest to serve our God. And they will reign. Paul says in Philippians chapter 2. He says every knee will bow. Every tongue confess. And you will either do it willingly or 
unwillingly. And I want to be those that are there willingly, bowing before the Lord, giving him honor and glory. Jesus is glory. But secondly, I want you to understand that glory also refers to our, our, our own perfected personhood. Um, look what he says. He says, and by the way, our perfected personhood, that means we're going to be there, it starts with a perfected body. Now i got to tell you, uh, you may not believe this watching through video, but this body could use a little work. Uh, as I'm looking out here right now, Pastor Dan's right there, and he's just kind of smiling. But you know what, Dan? We both need just a little bit of work. Uh, can we just say the Lord has been good to us and has blessed us abundantly? Oh, I love what it says here. Look how he describes. He says, now we know that if our earthly tent is destroyed, we have an eternal house in heaven. He says, he says down in verse 4, he says, we are clothed with immortality. We are swallowed up by life. I want you to understand that we have spiritual bodies in heaven. Uh, one of my favorite Greek terms in all of Scripture is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 where Paul is talking about the resurrected body. And he talks about Jesus Christ being risen from the dead. And then he says, just like Jesus was risen from the dead, so we will have a spiritual body. He says if there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. And the reason I love it is Paul made up a term that had not yet existed. Because he takes two words, and they are words that do not normally go together, and he puts them together into one concept, and it's called a pneuma somata. Now the word pneuma, uh, those of you might know, the word pneuma actually is the word for spirit, which is where we get, we, we use as part of the Holy Spirit, it's, it's pneuma, right? That's the, that's the base of that. So we have a spiritual, but then he uses the word somata, which is the word for flesh or body. You have a spiritual body, just like Jesus Christ. When Jesus was risen from the dead, he had a real physical body, but it was no longer bound by the laws of this, this universe. He was able to eat. Praise God. He was, able to, he was able to be felt and touched. In fact, he even encouraged them to touch the scars in his hands. So he had a real body, and yet he was able to appear suddenly. He was able to move through walls. Imagine having a body that's real and yet is no longer contained by the stuff. That's why, doesn't it make perfect sense when it says in Scripture that there's not going to be any more decay, there's no more crying, there's no more, there's no more frailty, there's no more illness? Why? Because these bodies are no longer decaying. They're no longer falling apart. i got to tell you, my knees, they hurt on a regular basis. i got a wrist that hurts on a regular basis. i got aches in my shoulders on a regular basis. There's none of that in heaven. But understand, it's not just about a perfected body. It's a perfected personhood. 
Because our personhood continues into heaven. Now, we don't have time to do a deep study on this. Um, I may come back to this in one of our midweek messages, but we've done it in the past where understand that when you enter into heaven, you don't stop being who you are. In fact, we still have, we still have memories, right? We still have love for people. Um, we've got an illustration of that throughout Jesus when he, when he deals even with uh, the rich man and Lazarus. Lazarus, he knew that he had four brothers behind. He had a concern for them. And so understand that what makes you you continues. The way that I often describe it is that the moment you take your, la- your last breath in this world, you take your first glimpse of heaven and there's a continuation that takes place. You even still have emotions. They're just perfected. Uh, David, when he describes coming before the eternal throne of God, he says that I will have joy in your eternal presence. Joy is an emotion, and God is a God with emotion, so shouldn't it make sense? We'll have even emotion in heaven, but here's what will not continue. You will no longer have sinful memories You will no longer have sinful emotions because Scripture tells us in the book of Revelations that no impurity, no shameful thing, nor deceitful thing. That means all the things, the lies, the enemy has been trying to convince you of will no longer be a part of your eternity. I don't know about you. I I can't even imagine that. Likewise, the painful and hurtful scars and regrets from your choices or from other people's choices, that also will be wiped away. Glory is a person, Jesus Christ, but glory represents perfected personality and perfect, uh, personhood. Number three, just to let you know, glory really is a place. It is not just a concept or energy or force Jesus goes to great lengths to make sure that you understand heaven is a real place. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. I go there to prepare a what? Place for you. And if I go there to, take a, to prepare a place for you, I will come back to take you so that you may be where I am also. Heaven is described as my father's house. Heaven is described in Hebrews 11 by the author as this vast, far better country of our own. When he talks about the fact that we're we're strangers here, right? We're just passing through. But we have a country of our own. And then he talks about later, he says, we have a city of our own. And in Revelation chapter 21, heaven's described as the glorious city, as a magnificent temple. Now, why all these metaphors? Because God is trying trying to communicate to our puny little minds how incredible and glorious heaven is going to be. It's a real place. Number four, glory is the prize that is set before us. I I actually use that exact phrase on purpose because Paul four times calls heaven or that we're running for a prize for the joy of the prize set before us he talks about heaven as a prize to indicate reward for us now we could do an in fact all of these we could do an entire day study but i want you to understand that there is going to be 
reward for us. Look what he says in chapter 5, verse 9 and 10. Sorry, verse 10 and 11. Just 10. Sorry, let's just hit 10. For we must all appear. It is 9 and 10. Let's do 9 and 10. Laugh at me, Dan. It's okay. It's all right. It is 9 and 10. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For because we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that we may each one receive what is due him. Now that word judgment seat is not a judgment as to whether or not you're going to be in heaven. Okay? There, by the way, there is a judgment that is reserved for the very end, chapter 20 of Revelation, the great white throne judgment that will determine whether it'll indicate whether you're in the Lamb's book of life or not, whether you're in heaven or not. But understand that when you're in heaven, once you're in heaven, it's not as if the Lord says, oops, you're not supposed to be here, okay? That's not, that's not how that goes, all right? He is talking about a judgment for believers. And it is a very different kind of judgment, and it's a specific word. It is bimatas, bima, seat. And it's an incredible picture. Because the word bima seat or bamatas, it refers to the Olympic Games. And the crowds would gather in recognition of those who had participated in the race. And the emperor would sit in the middle of the stadium. And as the participants would come in and stroll before the emperor, they would stand and the winner or the gift of the prize, they would give him a crown. And the crown was actually just one of those little, remember those little fig type leaves that you'd see around, their, uh, around their, their heads? That's kind of what you would see. And you would come. And then what would happen is that you would come before the emperor. Imagine the emperor being our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the people, the great crowd of witnesses, would applaud and give recognition. Now, I don't know if that's what's going to happen in heaven. But Paul said, that drives me. To understand that what I've done for Christ will be evaluated, whether good or bad. Now, what are you saying? Well, how can there be anything bad that you've done it for Christ? Well, back in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says that the things that we've done for the Lord are actually going to be tested by fire. Some are pure. Some were done and they show themselves to be silver and gold and fine, precious metals. Some of the things we've done, we've done for our glory, for false motives. He says that stuff's going to be revealed like straw and stubble. It doesn't mean that we're going to be burned up. It just means what we've done, if it's really going to last, has to be done for his glory. Glory is a prize set before us. And man, can I just encourage you? I just imagine that day when Jesus is saying, you can do it. You can do it. I'm so proud of you. 
You could have given up. You didn't give up. You stayed faithful. You kept loving those people. You kept being faithful to the witness. You went through hard times and you stood firm. You stumbled a few times, but you didn't fall. There's a prize that is set before you. That is, that is eternal glory. Can we give you the next one? I love these. The next one. Glory is a place. Glory is a prize. Glory is the purpose of heaven. Eternal glory is where we're headed, but for his glory is why heaven exists. Look what it says in verse 13 to 15. Verse 15 says, all this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow. Why? To the glory of God. We don't exist for ourselves. And by the way, we don't exist for other people. We exist primarily, first purpose in your life is for the glory of God. Now God brings glory to himself through all those other things, but I want you to know your greatest purpose is to bring glory and honor to God. Much discussion has been given over the years as to worship. And over the years... We've done worship in so many different ways. When it comes to the preaching, preaching has changed dramatically over the years. When it comes to prayer, I would even say pray. Praying to some degree has probably changed a little bit over the years. Used to be the early disciples would be in more in a Jewish fashion. When they'd pray, they would look upwards with their hands open like this. We tend to bow our heads and close our eyes and maybe hit our knees. Prayers, prayer, the fashion of it has changed just a tad, although the purpose is still the same. Music. Music's changed a lot over the years. In fact, just in, since I've been alive, there's been a lot of changes, a lot of discussion about it. Let me, under, let me help you understand something. Worship is not about you. Worship's not about me. Worship's not even about the lost. Worship is all about him. Heaven is not about you. Heaven is not about me. Heaven is all about him. It's for his glory, his honor. That's why when you see in scripture that there is going to be so much glory given to God in heaven, it's because that's what heaven is about. For his glory, for his honor, for his purposes. And it's going to be incredible. And you know what the cool thing is? By his grace, we get to be a part of that. In fact, Paul says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 to 15, if you want to, go read it. I love it. He says, you have been saved by the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit through the gospel of Jesus Christ. What? So that you can be a participant in glory with Jesus Christ. Wow. Number six. Glory is a powerful promise. Because of the glory that has been set before us, even when we go through hard times, he holds us steady. Paul began this conversation this morning 
in verse 16 to 18, he says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. That doesn't mean you haven't gone through struggle. And it doesn't think, mean you haven't gone through loss. And it doesn't mean you're not going through struggle. But he says, but we don't lose heart. Though outwardly, we're wasting away. Inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles, he is not diminishing your pain. He is trying to put it in perspective versus eternity. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And it's almost like Paul looks at us, and I don't know if you've ever been through a, a hard medical procedure or not. I, I, when, I, when I read this passage, the first thing I thought of was uh, some of the old westerns when I was a kid watching some of these old westerns. And, and, and invariably, a guy would get shot. And when the guy gets shot, they got to take the bullet out. And so uh, they give the guy a, he goes, give me a bullet to bite on, you know. And they, he bites on a stick or something, and he kind of looks away. And, and they, they pull it out, and then they put that hot poker in there. Oh, man, it's just incredible. Oh, it's terrible. And what they do is they, they give him somewhere else to look at so that he's not focused on the pain. When I was a kid, I had, I, I, I mean, the worst thing in my life when I was a kid, was a shot. I mean, I evidently, according to my mom, it took two nurses, the doctor, and her to hold me down for a shot. She said, you were horrible as a little kid getting shots until I got stitches. And then when the first time I got stitches and the stitches were actually in the middle of my forehead, those were worse than a shot. And then until I broke my right arm. And uh, I actually I broke my right arm. It's kind of a funny story. Um, uh, I broke my right arm if my mom's watching, I think she is, I broke my right arm pulling toilet paper out of a tree after we got TP'd. In fact, if I remember right, it was a Sunday, and my mom told me not to do it on a Sunday, and I climbed up the tree. Now, that, today, you all would be out pulling down the toilet paper, right? That stuff's like gold. But I was up pulling the toilet paper out of this big tree, and I fell out, and I broke my wrist. And I remember... When I went to the doctor, I don't know how they do it today, but I remember the doctor putting his knee up on the table, taking my wrist over his knee and pulling, and he reset my bone. Oh, my word. Painful. Some of you have been through so much more pain than that. Paul says, when you're going through times of hardship and pain, I don't want you to focus on that. I want you to look to a promise that's yet ahead. There is something about being able to look toward that which is not just what I'm going through. Which leads me to number seven. Glory is forever. 
And I got to tell you, I, I should have come up because they were all peas, right? Everything I put in there was, I should have come up with a, 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 something that says, and, and I couldn't come up with a pea in there. And I, uh, I could say glory is pretty long, but that's not quite right. And, and uh, glory is in perpetuity, but it didn't sound right. And glory is forever. Say that with me, can you? Glory is forever. Because what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. And that is a concept that our brains just cannot fully grab But let me tell you, heaven is for real. The glory that is set before us is real. It is forever. It is a personal Savior. It is a perfected life. It is a real place. It is a promise that is set before you. It is the prize of our faithfulness to him. And that's what you have been chosen for. You've been chosen for that. Yes, you've been chosen to have your sins forgiven. Yes, you've been chosen to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Yes, he has tapped you on the shoulder. Yes, he wants to walk with you in this life. But understand, we have been chosen for so much more than we could ever have imagined. And Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 5, and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. There's a song that came to my mind. It's a song that actually was written probably 70-ish years ago by a man who, going through one of the most, in fact, I read a little devotional from him. He was going through tremendous hardship in his family. His mom had suffered a stroke. They had gone through loss in their family. And he said, you know, he says, a lot of times when we're going through a hard day, we say, boy, what a day. That was an incredibly hard day. What a day I just had. And when he wrote this song, he wrote about, Someday. And it's a hymn that the church has sung for the last four or five decades. And the chorus goes like this. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. And I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. And he takes me by the hand and brings me to the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. Lord, I, um, I don't know every face that is watching right now. But Lord, there's a lot of them that are popping into my mind And I know that all of them are before your throne. And Lord, I see those that are going through decline and illness. And some are going through hard days. And some, Lord, are going through crisis. And some have walked through some really tough days. Father, I pray 
that heaven would not just be a destination. I pray it would be a motivation to continue on, to walk encouraged. Would that joy set before us sustain your people, hold them steadfast as we walk faithfully in your presence. We love you, Lord. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless. Have an incredible week in the Lord. Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living.